You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to Monday's edition of the Baseball Insiders. I'm Adam Weiner, but it's a fresh week. We got a fresh guest co-host today to take you through the action from over the weekend and into the remainder of the week. Couple of big free free agency deals signed. Couple of spring training surprise teams we want to poke some holes in and some World Baseball Classic futures to talk out. And we had a ton of exciting action there over the weekend. And to bring me all through it all is Peter Dewey of BetSided. Peter, thanks for hanging out, man. Uh, you got a lot to talk about and you got a lot of uh, bets to really help people make. Uh, I know I'm excited because I uh, I bet poorly and I put one of my own personal bets in this outline and you shot it down. So I think that means that uh, people should be listening to you and maybe not. I'm I'm excited. I, baseball season is creeping up faster than I think uh, we all expected. I was, um, for me, like not having a up here in the Northeast, not having a ton of snow. I've just been kind of ready for baseball for like months now. So having the World Baseball Classic has really gotten me fired up for the season. Um, and I'm excited. We got a lot of fun stuff to talk about today. A lot of bets that I'm I'm looking at, but then also just some fun stuff in in baseball uh, through this spring training. Been a great uh, spring training to watch, especially for some of these young guys. Yeah, I think as always, you know, don't get distracted by the spectacular, you know, team performances. Maybe don't get blinded by the mirages, but the young kids are for real. If somebody's showing out as a starter in a spring training game against big league competition for the first time really ever, that's pretty notable. And it's gotten some players paid already. But I do want to talk about the WBC first, uh, in, in part because it dominated the weekend. Uh, you couldn't turn on your TV this weekend without watching World Baseball Classic action all hours of the day. The brackets overseas in the morning and the evening teams like Italy was playing a morning game and then also playing a late night game because it was a day game the next day. It was extremely jarring. They move on to the quarters from their pool. We're not going to leave Italy in the dust. But Team USA is is the headline. And, and for good reason. Uh, and, well, for bad reason, because. They lost a huge showdown with Mexico last night. That was their second contest. They laid waste to Great Britain, as many expected, but the Mexico game did not go well. Joey Manessis went deep twice. 
took Brady Singer deep once. Brady Singer was forced to continue pitching, according to Mark DeRosa. He said, well, my hands are tied. This bad pitcher's got to throw 65 pitches. <laughs> uh, that might be a hole in the whole process. But either way, USA now reeling a little bit. The Dominican Republic, probably the other favorite to make the semis at least operating on U.S. soil right now. Japan is overseas in their own part of the bracket. Dominican Republic is about to beat Nicaragua, but they too lost their first game of the Classic. So I thought we might enter this podcast saying like, man, USA lineup, Dominican lineup, who's better? How can you even tell? But now we kind of have to handicap Team USA's repeat chances because there is a shot that they are a three and one team in their pool and are eliminated after the first group stage by tiebreakers. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough spot. That loss to Mexico is really tough, especially because, you know, you think they score five runs. Like, you think it's a winnable game at that point. They just they couldn't get out the entire game. Um, so I, it's, it's a, they're still second in the odds to win it all behind Japan. I think that makes sense just because the lineup is so talented, but you also got to wonder like if they kind of fall flat, like they can't afford to lose another game. They can't fall flat. So they have to come out. They have to win these next two games. Um, but I do think if they get through, like now after watching the Dominican Republic lose to Venezuela, like, you got to think they are the favorites on that side of the bracket if they can get out of pool play, but they put themselves, you know, in a tough spot to do so. It's odd because uh, there was a time when the, the Colombia Mexico game, you were like, oh, great. Like Colombia beating Mexico. That's huge because it's going to send Mexico plummeting down the bracket. Maybe it helps um, the USA out, clears a little path for them. Mexico is probably their chief rival in there. Now, all of a sudden, Mexico beats the USA. It's all flipped on its head. Colombia is still undefeated. Uh, and it's looking more and more like if USA wants to get through, they might have to hope for some bracket math in their direction. Um, how do you feel about the USA lineup versus the Dominican lineup? Um, I'm still a, a little, uh, I'm torn. I mean, and both are absolute studly all-star units. The pitching is somewhat lacking on the American side, but, but the lineup is probably for real uh, for the USA squad. Yeah, I'd say that the 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 lineup is better on the USA side. I think they just have more top line talent, like the, the trout, the Mookie bets. Like you just have more like, you know, top five players, honestly, in all of baseball on the team. Um, the pitching is obviously the concern for, for the U S side. Um, I give, I still think I give them a slight edge just because of the lineup. Like I think you can string together, especially in this kind of a format where you can string together some innings with guys. Like it's not like you're, you're forced to, I mean, they did it with Brady Singer, so maybe they are. But like, <laughs> you're not forced to throw a guy six innings. Like, you can you can kind of work a, a, your way around it um, with who's hot at, at times. So, um, but I do like their lineup better. I just am very worried about if they get into a do or die game. Like, they're not going to have the best pitcher on the mound most most likely. So that that kind of becomes a, a bit of concern. Yeah, and a lot of the discourse today, because of course this is going to be American centric. The discourse is good. the discourse is coming from within the walls of the country. But a lot of it was like, man, we can't recruit our top pitchers. Like, is the World Baseball Classic as valuable if top pitchers don't want to go? Well, Julio Arias is there, Shohei Otani is there, Sandy Alcantara is there. Plenty of top names, just not on the American roster. All of the Cy Young vote receivers from America. Are, are not pitching for this team from last season. Scherzer, Verlander, Wheeler, Carlos Rodon is injured, but Carlos Rodon, Garrett Cole. I mean, there's a whole lot of names that are 
that have opted out. And it, it leaves you deficient. It, it naturally leaves you in a hole. Uh, and so I asked you to power rank the three favorites after one week-ish's worth of competition. I think those are still USA, Dominican Republic, and Japan. And you still had USA second in, in the betting odds. But I think Japan, with the rest they're able to get, too, considering they're not really getting battered on their side of the bracket, has to be the favorite. And it seems like you agree. Yeah, right now they're the favorite in the betting odds. And I think they they have to be the favorite. I think also just... From a, you know, just a simple bracket standpoint, like they don't have to run into the U.S. or the Dominican Republic until the final. So from a betting perspective, it's just an easier path. Regardless, those teams are going to have to play each other if they want to get to the final at some point. Japan will not have to play either one of them. I just also think they I mean, they ran through their pool play, just absolutely dominated it. Um and it's kind of expect. I mean, their roster is terrific, and Otani and Darvish is about as good of a one-two punch as you're going to find in the entire World Baseball Classic. So, um, I think it has to be Japan, but I also think there's a benefit for the U.S. and the Dominican. I think the U.S. I have them at two. I think they have a better chance to get out. I think there is the benefit of if you do get that matchup in the semifinal, you're going to be battle tested before you go into that final against Japan. I think if Japan just the way things have kind of lined up and who they're going to play with Australia um, also advancing. Like there's not really a ton of competition technically on that side right now. So they're, they're kind of just going to coast. And then you wonder if you get into a position where you're playing, you know, a superior opponent, you haven't played one um, for several games is that's going to affect them at some point. Before we move on to dark horses, just the complete list of notable American pitchers not participating in this tournament. David Rosenthal on Twitter helpfully laid out. It doesn't really totally hit you until you see them all in a row. Aaron Nola, Shane Bieber, Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Kevin Gossman, Garrett Cole, Zach Gallen, Spencer Strider, Joe Musgrove, Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, Shane McClanahan, and Zach Wheeler. Uh, if you add two of those names onto the Team USA roster, I think things change significantly. 100%. 100%. It's crazy that all those guys are opted out. It's insane. It also makes you, because you you watch the rosters get released. Kershaw also not participating due to injury. You watch the rosters get released, and, and Team USA, we're sort of conditioned to be like, well, USA just doesn't have the arms. Like, that's their main deficiency. And like, nope, there are plenty of American pitchers who are gods. They're just not here, and they never are. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's completely true. It's also interesting because... I found it weird when I saw like Trout and Betts and some of these guys do it. Like you would think like if all the top players weren't going to do it, then that's like, okay. But like, it's weird that all of the position players are like, yeah, we're down. Let's do this thing. And you couldn't get any, nobody could recruit any of these pitchers to do it. That's the other part I find very crazy. It's like these guys, obviously all of them talk. Some of them are even teammates. So it's like, how can you get so many guys on the the position side saying, hey, we're going to do this. We want to go win this thing. Let's win back to back. And you can't get nobody. The entire major leagues, you couldn't figure out how to get a couple more guys that are pitchers. Like, obviously, they're going to rock with the guys that they have on the, the, the roster right now. But it's just crazy to me that, like, the recruiting process, I feel like you have to be better in that aspect as well. And we've never known more about pitcher science than we do today. So you feel like if these guys are nervous or skittish about starting early and, and I understand that, but they, they would be at spring training if they weren't here. Right. So it's not like they'd just be sitting and stewing and in cryo chambers, they'd be pitching and getting ready for the season. And we have so much advanced tech. We have all these people, like so many people are so good at conditioning a pitcher's body. Nowadays, you would think that if somebody declared to their training staff and their personal assistants 
in December, I want to pitch in the World Baseball Classic for Team USA. Do whatever you can to get my body ready ahead of time that they would have been able to come up with some sort of training regimen that would have gotten it done. And obviously, a burner, great point. Like Scherzer and Verlander got paid. They've got titles. They've got rings. They've got it all. They just they just didn't want to do this. Yeah, it's, it's also very weird to me just because, like you mentioned, like these guys will be throwing anyway. Again, we're not asking them to go out there and pitch six, seven innings like it's, you know, August baseball here. Like you can come in and if you were going to that, you know, whatever that week in spring training was, you were going to get stretched out to three innings. Like that's all we're asking for. Like if you have a bunch of guys coming to do that, that's all you need. It's not. I think that's the other part. Like, obviously, it's a different if you're a position player. Like It's kind of the same thing regardless. But. I don't think anybody is really asking the the, the starters. They were going to sit here and be like, well, you got to throw a hundred pitches every single one of these starts. Like that's not the case. So I also like, I feel like that for, if that was excuse from guys, it's a little bit of a cop out too. Cause it's kind of like, you're already throwing anyway. Like you're at spring training, you're at the facilities, you're throwing bullpens. Like, yeah, it's a little bit more of a competitive environment, but like, isn't that the whole point? Like that's what, that's what these guys thrive off of. So I think it's also just, you know, it's similar to like when guys win, when you're winning in the Olympics um, for other sports, like I think it's something end of the day, like resume wise, like maybe the world baseball classic, I feel like it still has similar value. Like that, I think resume wise, when you're looking at a hall of famer and especially the way the baseball hall of fame is with how hard it is to get in, like, why wouldn't you want everything you possibly can have on your resume to get you there? And guys like Scherzer and Verlin, they're already there so they don't like they don't have to do anything more they're already there so i I don't know why it's not a not more of a consideration yeah i do want scherzer and verlander though to be like don't they want to be gunslingers don't they want to be captain america don't you want to feel like they want to intimidate opposing hitters like oh just like hey dial me up whatever day it is i'm gonna come out there i'm gonna throw smoke but instead they're ducking this challenge and great point equating this to the olympics because i feel like the crowds we've seen at this WBC and the enthusiasm and the intensity and the big names participating globally, it does feel like far more of an event than whatever baseball ends up getting played at the Olympics. Uh, A lot of amateurs, a lot of people who in the middle of a season can't make it like last Olympics, it was like retired Todd Frazier and without a team, David Robertson. And now you've got much bigger names. It does feel like it's beginning to be a prove it thing and and the usa pitchers are not proving it uh and i had a friend reach out to me over the weekend and say is it just me like did people always take the wbc this seriously where the roster is always the stacked and i had to look back on it because you remember david wright you remember jeter and rollins and i looked back and john grabo was in the usa bullpen in 2009 so the answer is no it used to be even worse uh the usa team is maybe behind other curves but it it definitely is there's still uh, strides need to be made, but it's taken significant steps forward over the past couple of cycles. Yeah, definitely. I find I find it very weird though. It's like I feel like other. I mean, and maybe I'm, but like I feel like other you know nations they're getting like their top guys are coming. Like I mean, Otani and Darvish were both like, hey, yeah, let's go. So I just find it weird that the U.S. isn't. That some of these guys aren't valuing it. Yeah, as much. and you're right. There are significant restrictions. Nobody's throwing a hundred pitches. You're getting taken out at sixty-five. You, you could go Scherzer yeah. for three innings, Verlander for two. Like you could really, you could exactly. really go insane and piggyback these guys. But we're not getting it. Um, before we move on to the quick hitters, what dark horse teams are you eyeing for a potential surprise run here? Cause, uh, my whole view of this tournament was sort of upended by Venezuela. And I know we all have a lot of darlings, but 
who are you looking at who could make a real noise into the quarters and semis and, and potentially the finals? Yeah, I'm I'm looking at Mexico after beating the US um the other night. I and the reason why, like obviously the offense was great. I think their pitching's a little underrated. Like they have some solid pitching on that roster. Patrick Sandoval, Jose Urquidy, uh obviously Julio Urias is on that roster. Like they have they have some solid pitching. I think they're they're a little under the radar. Now, as we talked about at the top of the show, like the US has to win out like that pool is all of a sudden it's completely up for grabs because everybody's basically one and one. So I don't see why not like taking a dart throw on, on a team like Mexico um, just because they do have some of the top line talent. They've proven they can beat one of the heavy hitters already um, in this, this borough baseball classic. So I don't mind it. I think the Japan side of the bracket, I was looking at it and I was like, do I want to find a, a dark horse? I just don't think anybody's going to beat Japan. Like they've already been so dominant. I just don't see them. Like, I think there's more value in going on the other side because the other benefit for Mexico is like if U.S. loses another game, like they might not even have to worry about playing them again. Like the U.S. could get to could push themselves out and Mexico sneaks in. And now all of a sudden the field is that much easier compared to what it was expected. And Japan still has an ace in reserve. Someone they haven't even pitched yet who they've got basically locked down for the next round. So that uh, should make everyone terrified. The Netherlands was sort of this team the last couple of cycles where you look up and they're in the semis again and you're like, all right, Bogart's pro far, like Andrelton Simmons in his prime. It makes sense. They're already out. Italy did the damage. And so uh, obviously a burner said it right. Mexico is a scary team. I think Venezuela is a very scary team. Even without Ranger Suarez, you still got Pablo Lopez, Jesus Lazardo, and Martin Perez in that rotation. That's a real rotation. Any of those guys who make the all-star team in any given year. And the offense is obviously quite filthy, but Italy is the uh, the darling dark horse. You, you can't discount them and their Nespresso machine. Manager Mike Piazza seems to be a little more prepared to handle uh, his responsibilities than manager Mark DeRosa, I would say. Just a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, I think it would be fun. I would love to see a dark horse make it to uh make it to the final, but just like for the the intrigue. Um, but I also feel like a lot of people, myself included, I kind of want to see the Japan oh, US yeah. matchup in the final. I feel like you almost have it has to happen, but now I'm a little worried about the US. I won't lie. Munitaka Murakami on the Japanese team too is like it, it, we've all heard about uh, Roki Sasaki, and we're seeing it in person this week. But those two guys on offense and on the mound for Japan. Are, are very much going to be the next like Otani level hype. If anyone could get to Otani level hype, they're the dudes. They're still a couple of years away, but yeah, you definitely want to see them face off against big league competition. If you get the chance, I will be in Miami for the second quarter and the first semi next weekend. Uh, and the way things line up, if USA, if they advance, we're supposed to play that final quarter, no matter what, that's the way they've structured the bracket. So the U.S. will play Saturday if they make it out of their pool. Uh, but if they don't make that in their pool, they will not. So uh, a lot hinges on that. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. 
That would be pretty sweet, though. That would be, be awesome to get to see. That's I'm awesome. excited. I got my Andrew Miller uh, 2017 WBC jersey. <laughs> uh, it's packed. It's ready to go. And it would be very embarrassing to wear it to Dominican Republic, Colombia. So let's uh, maybe get our act together. We'll see. Um, <laughs> let's move on to a couple of quick hitters. Uh, let's beat the ship with these for just a couple of minutes apiece. We did have some deals signed on the big league side this weekend. The Corbin Carroll extension in Arizona, eight years, $111 million guaranteed. It's the most guaranteed for a player with that few big league games ever. I am self-confessed in love with Corbin Carroll's profile. I am so excited to see him for a full season. The speed is real. It's like that type of eye-popping speed that you and I know Anthony Volpe. We knew he was fast. Like we knew he stole 50 bags last year, but then you watch him steal on a pitch out and then steal third on the next pitch in spring training. And you're like, Oh, he's fast. Like there, there's a different level of fast. Carol is the same guy for me. Uh, we'll talk about Volpe in a little bit. Cause we, how could we not talk about him? But uh, is Carol your rookie of the year favorite in the national league this season? I feel like he's not because I can read the board behind you. Yeah, it's it's Jordan Walker season, Adam. I, I I I've been mesmerized with Jordan Walker's spring, and I I will admit it. I have been all in on the spring training numbers. I'm like, this kid's going to be a star. I'm like, maybe I shouldn't be uh, reading too much into them. But I mean, the numbers are absolutely insane so far. Um, he is basically leading every single category you could possibly think of for a hitter um, in spring training. He's first in batting average, first in slugging, first in OPS. First in total bases, first in hits, and first in extra base hits. I mean, what is there not to love? It, him and Carroll are the top two guys in the odds in the, the NL. He's a plus 500. Carroll, I believe, is a plus 380. Um, I like Jordan Walker. Just I, I am a little concerned, like, playing on a, a team in St. Louis that is supposed to contend. Like, if he struggles from the onset, what happens? Like, do they maybe – do they send him down? That obviously can be a concern. I would be shocked if they did because he's hitting so well in the spring. Um, I think Carroll is a terrific prospect, too, not to take anything away from him because last year when he got called up, he was fantastic. But uh, I'm all in on the Jordan Walker hype right now. I think he's been so fun to watch in the, the spring. Jordan Walker's unlike anybody else. I, I can't argue with that. We've, we've seen Corbin Carroll's before, maybe not in the Diamondbacks, but I'm not sure if we've seen a Jordan Walker in a long time. Robert Murray, the typical co-host of this podcast, called him the next Giancarlo Stanton, and so I'm just going to throw that in your lap if you weren't thinking about that already. There you go. I do. I, I mean, I do like the comparison. I do like it a lot. Um, hopefully he's a, he's a better fielder than Giancarlo because Giancarlo is uh, at this point in his career, it's a uh, tough to watch him anywhere else, but the batter's box. But, um, yeah, that's, I don't mind that comparison. At I all. don't mean to make Jordan Walker boring either. This is the baseball nerd in me. It's just the most effortless singles of all time. Like obviously mm-hmm. the power's insane, right? Like we, we, it goes light tower. We get it. But the, velocity on these singles and just the ease with which he is lining 105 mile an hour balls directly in center field. Like, all right, I'll, I'll do that too. Like has really captured me this spring. Uh, before I ask you your thoughts on the D backs over under just talk, let's gush Volpe for a second. Like, I don't want to leave you hanging and not talk about Anthony Volpe or Jason Dominguez, neither of whom are probably yeah. going to make the opening day roster, but Volpe is going to come up by the end of April, you'd have to think. And Dominguez, by the end of the season, if he keeps at it like this, he is 
the most talented looking hitter in Yankees camp right now. And he's someone who last year, I think the people who don't follow prospects would have called him a disappointment because he wasn't hitting 360 with a 500 OVP Mike Trout style at single end. Uh, have both of those guys caught your eye? And, and when are you targeting their arrivals for mentally? Because I'm, I'm preparing for Volpe at the end of the month. Yeah, I to be honest with you, I might be crazy. I I wouldn't be surprised if Volpe makes the opening day roster. I'm the one thing I was looking at, and not to completely go straight into the betting odds, but he's now plus seven hundred to win AL Rookie of the Year. And if Vegas knows something, like they know something, obviously you can win Rookie of the Year without playing, you know, the first month or so of the season. But um, it just seems at this point like the Yankees. I think we've talked about this before too. Like if you're going to have these guys, the Volpes and the Perazas, like if you're not going to play them, what are you doing? Like if you're not going to play them and you're not going to trade them, sending him to triple, like he is clearly showing he can play at the major league level. So it's like, why not see? And if he starts slow, he starts slow. And I don't want to compare him to Derek Jeter because it's just not fair, but like they let Derek Jeter go through the growing pains and look what happened. They let other guys go through the growing pains. Aaron Judge, go through the growing pains and look what happened. Like, you have to give these guys a shot. I think a lot of the Yankees' prospects the last, like, few years, these top guys, the Clint Frazier's of the world, they kind of went into a rough patch and the Yankees were so quick to have a hook on them. Granted, they were trying to compete for a World Series, but when you do that, you're killing guys' confidence. You're also just killing their trade value, all of that stuff. So Volpe has looked like completely the real deal to me. I would be extremely disappointed if him or Peraza wasn't the opening day shortstop. I, I think that it has like it has to be one of those two guys. Um, I think Dominguez, like Matt, I thought, you know, there's no way this year he gets called up. And now I'm starting like he just looks so much more disciplined as a hitter. I think that that has been really impressing to me. And then obviously, like just the the sheer ability to just he crushes the ball when he gets a hold of it. So it's like I could see maybe end of the year, especially, you know, injury wise with the Yankees, you never know what's going to happen in the outfield. Like the closer these guys are, you know, the box, it's the box office, but it's also like, if these guys are that talented, you've invested so much into them. Like why not play them? They're, we're supposed to be a part of the core all along. Like why not? You lose a bit of gravitas as a franchise. If you stay out of the shortstop market for two straight years, then you do this whole bulky PR push where it's like, oh, he's tipping his cap to Lou Pinella. Oh, he wants to learn from Willie Randolph. Oh, he's like, you're not saying he's Jeter, but not saying he's not. And then you're like, obviously, that's a triple-A <laughs> player. Like, you put him on the triple-A roster to start the year. You lose a little bit of that you know, wiggle room that people are currently giving the Yankees. Uh, who is, who's the favorite for American League Rookie of the Year while we're at it? I got to look. That's a uh, – is it go- It's probably Gunner, saw, right? I- it was I. It was Gunner. He was like plus two eighty five, which is crazy. Another guy I've been I'm excited to watch this year because he was very fun when he got called up um, last year. Let me find. Um, but he's it's uh to me it's kind of crazy. The Vol- I saw that and I was like whoa 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 like is he is he gonna be on the roster right away? Yeah. So it's it's Gunner and then it's Yoshida actually is at plus mm-hmm. six hundred and then it's Volpe and then it's Casa. So like some. Somebody in Vegas knows something. I I wouldn't be shocked if he's on the opening day roster. I think he's also played like he's kind of earned. I feel like all these years in the minors and then in this spring training, like he's kind of earned that shot. Like why not give him this chance? I feel bad. Peraza never got the same kind of chance, but like one of them has to get it. So why not? Why not him this year? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I like Yoshida too. Uh, to be mm-hmm. honest, he, he looks great in the uh, Japanese segment of the WBC right now, but. Won't be in that three hole. Very interesting. Uh, for one more chance, you can make fun of my bet real quick. I had the D backs on FanDuel 
Uh, over under 75.5 wins. I bet the over, and I also bet on them to make the playoffs, which was obviously a bigger long shot. I think that was plus 430. Um, playoffs are dicey for many reasons, but how do you land on both of those bets? You can roast me. The floor is open. So I don't mind the win total one. I kind of lean to the under just because I don't trust their pitching staff after Zach Gallen. I think you have to really believe in, in Merrill Kelly to have another good year, which he was great last year. I just don't know if I fully trust Merrill Kelly to be that guy again. Madison Baumgartner has looked like he's fallen off a cliff ever since he went to Arizona. Then you have like the back end of that rotation is just, it's questionable at best. Zach Allen, I think is one of the probably seven to eight best pitchers in baseball. I don't think that's a crazy thing to say, especially after the second half he had last year, but I just don't know if the pitching staff is going to be able to hold up. I think the offense is really fun. They got a lot of good young talent on that team. Um, But the reason I lean to the under, and I think that, it's tough for the posting. That division is just insane. Like the Dodgers might take a little bit of a step back this year, but like they're still going to be in the playoff conversation. Obviously the the Padres are trying to win a world series. They, they went all in. And I think that the giants are going to be fine. I think the last, like last year they were still a 500 baseball team and they didn't really do anything, you know, differently from last year to this year. So, um, Colorado is probably going to stink again. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, uh, <laughs> not going to toot their horn at all, but I think Arizona finds itself like, can it be better than the Giants this year? If so, now maybe you have a shot at that final wild card spot. But if not, I think I think that if the Giants are hovering around a 500 baseball team, 73, 74 wins. Like it's not a terrible season, but that's probably where they end up. Keep an eye on a potential midseason talent infusion in the rotation too from top pitching prospect. And I'm really sorry, but I do not know how to pronounce his name. It really looks like it's Brandon Fat. I don't think it is. It's P-F-A-A-D-T. He dominated last year, struck out 218 men in 167 innings across time at A Amarillo and AAA Reno. He's a top 30 prospect in baseball, according to Baseball America. But Baseball Reference doesn't have a name pronunciation. And I, ju- I just want somebody to say it out loud because <laughs> it could be fought which is also bad because it kind of sounds like fart. It could be fat. I just need, I need to know. Cause I definitely, before he makes his MLB debut, somebody has to tell me. Yeah, that's true. I, I feel like the, has he, has, is he, he's got to be in camp with them. Right. I wonder if oh, there's yeah. a, I got to listen to a diamondbacks broadcast now. That's what I'm going to have to do just to hear yeah. how many he's pitching. I got to, I got to work with a diamondbacks radio broadcast on constantly in case they <laughs> decide to deploy him in the fifth or sixth inning. Um, <laughs> Let's talk a couple more spring training surprise teams, whether you are buying or selling their early performance. This is all surprise good, I would say, because it's tough to do surprise bad in spring training because it really doesn't really doesn't matter until it does. But when a team is way overperforming expectations, it is fair to look at the record and sort of go, what is going on here? So unfortunately, I do have to mention the Boston Red Sox. Uh, who were undefeated? Were the last undefeated spring training? They were nine and zero with three ties. They have lost three in a row and one additional tie, and it looks like they're going to lose today. So that'd make them nine and four with four ties. Less shiny than it was previously, but obviously the Boston people are going to talk. So we've had people in the comment section of this show previously saying, you know, Red Sox best team in baseball, and we got to humor it. So are you buying or selling the Red Sox at this point in the spring? I'm selling them and it's not like it sounds like the, it's going to sound like the most Yankees fan take, but it's, it's really not it, just the division is so good and they did the least of everybody to get any better. And they finished in last, last season. Like, 
Yes, Chris Sale might be back and may, he's looked good, but the question is, is can he hold up for 162 games? The answer to that question the past like four years has been no. So I I just don't buy this Boston team. They let Xander like Xander Bogart's walking it is such a huge loss and the lack of like resources that they put in to replace him. Like, yeah, bring back Devers was great, but it was almost like you had – if you were going to let Bogarts walk and you trade away Mookie Betts a few years ago, you had to bring back Rafael Devers. Like, what What was the whole reason for not paying either one of those guys? So, um, I just think that – I think, like, the the Orioles are going to be sneaky good. They, I mean, they were a good team last year. Now all these young guys have another year under their belt. They, they look like a, a team that has a shot to make a wild card spot. Obviously, Yankees, Rays, Blue Jays all kind of solidified some, some holes there. Like – even if Boston ends up being better than it was last year, does it finish third in the division? Like I, I just don't, I don't see the Red Sox like making some crazy, crazy noise unless you know Chris Sale is lights out, Cy Young type of season, and they get production from guys that nobody's really expecting to have that big of years. Um, so I lean with I'm just going to sell them just because I think the AL East is just too tough. It's happened before. We've seen this team do a bunch of nonsense out of nowhere, but you're right. The, the people who are fueling this spring run are like Rymel Tapia, Narciso Crook and top prospects, Sedan Rafaela. It's guys you're not going to see in the regular season. I, Reese McGuire has been encouraging. Sure. But it's, you know, with Kike away at the WBC, Yoshida away, Justin Turner now injured. I think the pitching injuries for the Red Sox are a lot more important then their seventh outfielder hitting well against middle relief. James Paxton is already hurt. Brian Bayo is working his way back to facing live hitters, but who knows what that means. Garrett Whitlock, the starter. We don't know what that is. Corey Kluber is their opening day starter. He hasn't been lights out in spring either. Just gave up a couple of runs in his most recent tune-up. Chris Sale is not going to start on opening day for whatever reason. Alex Cora said, that's great. Um, I don't know. It feels like the Red Sox have some very annoying spring depth. But now that they're not undefeated in spring anymore, I'm not sure you're going to hear the same boasting from them. What about the Kansas City Royals, who actually have a better record in the spring than the Red Sox do? Um, it's tough to buy or sell because we just don't know what the expectations are. But what are you seeing from the KC Royals? Yeah, so I think uh, to look expectations-wise, like their win totals at 69 and a half. I don't mind the over because I just also think the AL Central stinks. Like I think there's a chance they're going to be able to win some games against teams in their division that they're going to play a ton, obviously, all season. I like their young bats. I think Bobby Witt had a underrated rookie year last year. Just the Royals were so bad. I feel like there was all this hype around Bobby Witt, and then he didn't like – come out and hit 330 with 50 home runs. So everybody kind of like that. He had a good season last year. Like he had a very good season last year. And he's a kid. He year. is truly a kid. Exactly. Exactly. And then uh, their first baseman, I'm going to butcher his last name, but Vinny Pasquatino. Pasquatano. Yeah, Vinny, Vinny Pasquantino, uh, I believe. Yeah, he can he can really hit. Like they got they got um M- MJ Melendez, the catcher. Like they got some nice like young talent on this team. The pitching is definitely a question mark. Uh, last year, it felt like no matter who they rolled out there, they're kind of getting knocked around. But um, I think this is like with them making all the front office and the coaching changes and stuff. I feel like this is kind of like a you know a little bit of a fresh start for this team. I, in that division last year, I thought the White Sox were going to absolutely run away with the division. That did not happen. So I think anything is up for grabs in the AL Central. Like Detroit's not that much better. Minnesota is really not that much better. Like everybody kind of made some moves, but I mean, 
if you're going to tell me the White Sox brought in Andrew Benatendi and now they're going to win 100 games, like it's just not that's not the case. So I think uh, Royals probably aren't a playoff team, but like 69 and a half wins might be a little low. Maybe they push 70, 75, um, kind of start getting this thing back in the right direction because it feels like ages ago that they were, you know, the World Series team Royals, but it really wasn't that long ago. Like, it, it feels like it was like two decades ago to me at this point. Well, because they're all retiring now. Like, Eric Hosmer's the biggest yeah. joke in baseball at this point, that weird contract. It probably shouldn't be, but he is. Um, Lorenzo Kane is retiring out of one day with the Royals, putting on that uniform for the final time. So they're acting like it was 2003, but it was 2014 15 uh they are 14 and 2 in spring training which is just it is absurd it pops off the page a little bit and cal eldred the pitching coach is i know a bugaboo of a lot of royals fans he's gone and and brad keller uh is sort of emerging as as the brad keller they envisioned who knows if they can find pitching of any kind they could make actual noise in (laughs) the central uh the cubbies i want to touch on too because they're on a winning streak and they have former yankee hayden wesneski sort of driving that rotation conversation. So they have the kids. Pete Crow Armstrong is showing out, not this year, but next year. Kevin Alcantara, another former Yankee, was showing out before he was demoted to minor league camp. And they sort of did a little hybrid go for it this offseason. They get Dansby Swanson in there. Nico Horner is sort of a projections favorite in the middle infield. Uh, There's a lot of overflowing talent. Maybe this is finally the year of Seiya Suzuki, who knows? Because he's battling an injury already. But the Cubbies are hot, and the Cubbies have been fueled by that rotation. Where do you stand on them? Yeah, it's definitely going to depend on some of their young arms. Like you, you mentioned Wisniewski. Like if he can have a really good year for them this year, I think uh, you know that helps. Like Marcus Stroman had a pretty good year for them last year too. I don't think he uh, got as much credit as he he deserved probably last year. But I feel like they again. We talk about like. I hate to keep using the same point, but like division strength matters because you play so many games against your division. NL Central is not very good. The Reds are terrible. The Pirates are terrible. The Brewers have kind of like, I don't know what they're trying to do. They're trading away guys at the deadline last year when they're in the, the uh, playoff conversations. So who knows? Maybe they, this is the year they trade away Brandon Woodruff at the deadline. Like you never know. So um, I, I think the Cubs, they have a shot. I think just because of the extra wild card spot, like there's the, the NL East is really tough. But maybe if the Giants take a little bit more of a step back than we expect, like, does that open up, you know, a little bit more wiggle room for the Cubs? I think some of their young guys, like, they have some really good young talent on this team. Um, I just think that the question is, is whether or not, you know, the pitching one can hold up for the whole season. And two, like, do you get last year Dansby Swanson or is he going to kind of regress to a again he had a career year last year. Like, we can't expect him to do that again. I think that's why the Braves were willing to let him walk like. Can you do this again? So I think that also factors in, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they made a little bit of a run in the central. I think the the division is pretty wide open. Like St. Louis is good, but I wouldn't just hand them the division, you know, before opening day. Well, not unless they start Jordan Walker on opening day, your boy. That's yeah, that's that's fair. That's very fair. I won't I won't go to Jordan Walker MVP candidate here over here. <laughs> Update the board. <laughs> Next time I see it, it's got to change that on the board. I hope you have the letters MVP on the blackboard. Oh. I got them. I got them stashed. Good, good. Uh, One last little quick hitter before we go. Uh, Corbin Carroll was not the only young player to extend early this weekend, but this one may be a little bit more of a head scratcher, at least for me, just because uh, I buy the strategy behind it, but I just, I can't take any move this team makes seriously at this point in time. And I know that's, there is inherent bias there. Every team needs, you know, a new regime needs to put their stamp on things, but Kaber Ruiz, 
extended in Washington for eight years and $50 million. It's front-loaded significantly during the years where the team is not spending at all. I, I understand the gamble. I get what you're doing. But at the same time, the Max Scherzer-Trey Turner deal was supposed to feature the Dodgers' tippy-top two prospects, Josiah Gray and Ruiz, going to Washington. Year one in full for both of those guys, you, you leave. I mean, I didn't really leave that terribly impressed with either player's uh, potential for fast rise. And Ruiz at a 95 OPS plus last year. He's a good two-way catcher, but I'm not 100% positive he's a building block. That said, I felt the same way about the Royals locking up Salvador Perez way early. As someone who didn't pay attention to every Royals game and read every Royals scouting report, I was like, man, the numbers aren't there. It's like 18 games of Salvador Perez. You're going to sign him for like a decade. That feels like some sort of raise like collusion. Uh, so I'm going to I'm gonna be patient here. I'm not going to say like, Ruiz is a failure. This is dumb. He's not a building block. But it did strike me as a, as a bit surprising, especially because that team is so far away. And it feels like they could, you know, blink and, and completely change their mind tomorrow. How did this deal strike you? Yeah, I agree with you that it's it's a little surprising just because he hasn't shown a ton. But I do think I kind of see the vision behind it, especially since the deal is front loaded. Just like you're kind of banking on him becoming he's still only 24 years old. Like you're banking on him. Can he be he doesn't have to be at eight years, 50 million. He doesn't have to be the best catcher in baseball. Like if he's a top seven catcher like that, that's fine in terms of what you're paying him market value, I'd assume, especially as the years go on. I'm assuming some contracts probably going to go up, but I think you're kind of banking for two, three years from now. If Cabo Ruiz is the guy you think he is, you have him on a value deal locked in for several seasons. And now maybe you can build around him. And I think the other caveat to it is that's not a deal you can't trade. So down the line, if, you know, he doesn't work out the way you wanted him to and you want to just clear off and you want to attach him to a prospect, you want to move him in some kind of deal, you'd be able to get off of that. Somebody would take, you know, a, again, switch hitting catcher. He's got power. Like, he's not a bad defender. I think there's, there is some value there. Um, and then also just if down the line you do end up uh, finding yourself in a position where you're contending, like not a terrible guy to have on the roster for a relatively cheap deal. It's just – for the Nationals, like you said, like everything they've done since the World Series, you're just like, what are they doing? The only thing they did correct was let Anthony Rendon walk. And at the time, I thought that was they should have paid him over Strasburg. And neither one of them has basically played baseball since. But I mean, it's a, it's like a, it's a catch 22 of them because you just don't really know. But I understand the the move to kind of get somebody under contract like you weren't going to pay Scherzer. You weren't going to pay Trey Turner. You weren't going to pay Soto. So if you're going to get rid of all these guys, like you might as well extend Ruiz. Like this is their way of basically saying, we think the Scherzer trade was Scherzer Turner trade was a success. Um, And it gives you kind of something to feel good about. And if he ends up reaching where people thought he was going to be, I mean, he was like the best catching prospect of baseball. So um, if he gets to that ceiling, like this is going to look like an awesome contract. And I don't think it's so much money where you feel like down the line it's like oh we can't move Cabo Ruiz like he's just stuck here so I get the thinking it's just the Nationals they're not competing at any time soon and there are no catchers so like the the catchers just don't exist anymore so I I do get it um if they're going to extend somebody to make that Scherzer Turner trade feel like a success it's definitely not going to be Josiah Gray and his 5.02 ERA last year and 1.36 whip 154 K is 148 and two-thirds innings but yeah not so much what about taking that Ruiz money, though? 
before this season and giving it to James Wood, the guy they acquired in the Juan Soto deal, who has some would say the potential to be baseball's number one overall prospect next year, a six, seven, two forty outfielder, three thirteen average last year with 12 bombs, 20 stolen bases and a four twenty OBP in the minors, six, seven outfielders don't come around that often. Aaron judges and Dave Winfield are the <laughs> rare success stories, but maybe sprinkle a little cash on him so that you don't end up having to pay a hundred, 150 million for the early extension there. Yeah, that's a good, that's a very good point. I think, I think if you're Washington too, like you, all these guys, they got, you know, if they, like you said, if they end up panning out, like you kind of have to try and do the Braves way of doing things and get all these guys early because you put all your eggs into this basket. Like you didn't, if they had kept Soto or if they had kept Trey Turner, whoever they had decided, like if they had kept Soto, I think that it would have made a lot of sense to like pick and choose who now you kind of don't have the choice to pick. And choose. You have to, you have to hope one, these guys pan out and two, that you can lock them up long-term because if not, you're just going to be back in the same cycle, like three, four years from now when they hit arbitration. So um, yeah, I, I mean the Ruiz one, it, it might look really bad if he sucks this year, like it might, but I, I still think they're going to be okay. And, at the end of the day, like they got off of so much money the last few years. They're obviously they're still paying Strasburg. They're going to be stuck with that contract, but they've gotten off so much money where you would think if Wood ends up turned out to be, you know, this kind of player, you would have, you'd be able to say, okay, we're going to commit this to him to get, you know, we'll buy out his arbitration, but we're also going to get him for two, three more years up beyond that. Honestly, deeply uncomfortable that we were even forced to talk about the Washington Nationals for this long <laughs> on this podcast. I blame the Nats front office for locking up uh, their catcher way ahead of schedule. But yes, very valid point. <laughs> they got to be the Braves Foundation if they want to have any success in the NL East with the damn Mets and the Phillies and the Braves all looking like extreme uh, future juggernauts with a ton of financial flexibility. Best of luck to the Washington Nationals. That is it. For this edition of the Baseball Insiders with my special guest co-host, Peter Dewey. Uh, we even stuck some Yankees in there that was not in the initial uh, timeline for the show. Uh, and that's how I that's how I get you. That's how I get our viewers. I, I, <laughs> I love to trick our viewers. Uh, no, not really. I love our viewers. Uh, and if you're not subscribed to the Baseball Insiders, there's no better time to do so than right now. Like the channel. We're going to be here every Monday and Thursday, all off-season long, all regular season long. 3.30 Eastern time typically got in a little bit early today, but you can count on us at 3.30. If you're not a streamer and you want to listen to the audio feed, we're going to be on every podcast platform, Spotify, Apple, test us. We're there. Leave us a five-star review. If it makes you feel good. It certainly makes me feel good. But as Robert always says, when he's here, subscribing to the channel puts food on his table. Uh, and it definitely does that for me as well. Uh, he is not the only person on this podcast who gets paid. I do as well. And Peter as well. Peter also gets uh, uh, money. So uh, you subscribing will help out. It helps out everybody. It helps out the producer. It helps out the production team, the graphics department, the comment section. It helps it all stay lively. So please subscribe if you get the chance. Uh, Peter, this was an absolute blast, man. Yeah, this is awesome. Thank you for having me, man. It was very fun. All right. Take care. And we'll see everybody again on Thursday with an all-new episode. Thanks, y'all. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com prenatal.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.